Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, for, for the last little while, and I'm losing count here, uh, for the last few weeks, many weeks, um, we've been talking about New Testament prophetic ministry. And one of the reasons that we're taking time to, um, to emphasize this is because on the one hand, you've got people that are stuck in an old covenant, old testament model of prophetic ministry. But yet we are new covenant, new testament believers. And the, the prophecy that was referred to on the day of Pentecost this is that, what the outpouring of the Spirit prophesied through Joel, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters will prophesy. So if you're a son, you're a daughter, hearing God's voice, we should step into that, and that's part of what we were doing this morning. Yes? All right. So on the one hand, we we need to recognize that we need to be stepping into the new covenant, the New Testament form of prophesying which is different from the old covenant old testament which was only one or two special individuals where the spirit came upon them and they would bring as it were the the oracles of God whereas in the new covenant sons and daughters actually get to prophesy so there's a difference there the other thing that we've recognized is that there are times where the body of Christ steps into things and stewards it well, and then there are other times when they tend to pull back from walking in the fullness of the Spirit. And so there's this, this, uh, uh, this time, if you like, where we're not seeing in the body of Christ as a whole this recognition that we actually need to be walking in this in an ongoing basis. And so you can go to many churches and you'd think that God was dead because he's not speaking. And so we need to ensure that we are actively pursuing, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts because that's what scripture told us to do. Is this good? All right. And so we're making sure that we are uh, on the front foot And we want to steward the gifts of the Spirit well by giving it proper um, priority in our lives. Okay. We've been looking at um, Paul's instructions to the church in Corinth. That was a very amazing spiritual church. But this morning, you know, I thought, how about we look at the words of Jesus? Because Jesus had things to say about the coming of the Spirit. So won't you do me um, a favor and turn in your scriptures to John chapter 14. Now I know we'll put it on the screen here, but I want to just check if you know where to find it. Okay, because Monday through Saturday, you don't have it on the screen. You need to have it on your own. Okay, so... John chapter 14. Now, while you're turning there, maybe you've got... Um, uh, anyway, context Context is super important when we come to the Scriptures. Because Jesus was, was speaking to his followers, to his disciples. He said different things in different places that had specific meaning to his hearers. And so we need to figure out what was he saying to the people then, what it mean to the people there and then. And thereafter, then we can say, okay, what is he saying to us in the here and the now? Does this make sense? So we always want to start with what was the setting, what was the context, what was Jesus actually trying to say? Okay. And John chapter 14 fits into, would you believe it? fits into a bunch of chapters that are all linked together. I mean, we've seen this somewhere before, haven't we? Yeah. 
So John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his followers, to his disciples. And it should have been 12, but one of them had excused himself. And the context of chapter 14, 15, 16, 17 is Jesus talking to his disciples. And the context we know because of chapter 13. Uh, your maths is good, eh? <laughs> chapter 13 comes before chapter 14. Chapter 13, the context is the Last Supper. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and then they're having the Passover meal. And during the Passover meal, he's taking something that was prophetic from the Old Covenant with some signs that were pointing to what was going to be happening and being fulfilled with the coming of the Messiah, and Jesus was the Messiah. So he fulfilled. And so in the process of the Passover meal... He himself was to be the Passover sacrificial lamb. And during the meal, he takes one of the cups because in the celebration of the Passover meal, there were actually a number of different cups that represented different things. All right. So, as we recognize that Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room and he's celebrating the Passover. Then he begins to teach them because he knows what's coming. Trauma. Trauma for himself, the cross. Trauma for his disciples, the loss, the sheer panic, like we're following the one who's supposed to be the answer, and now he's dead. Like, what's this about? Three and a half years of our lives wasted, devastated, like sheer panic, don't know what to do. So Jesus is preparing them for what they're going to be facing over the next 48, 72 hours, that kind of a time frame. And so he's, he's speaking, and we've got this recorded and it starts in, in chapter well, 13, but flows into chapter 14, and then 15, 16, 17. This is amazing. So as we go now and we drill into chapter 14, we recognize that this is the same situation. And, and Leon referred to John chapter 15, I'm the vine in the opening this morning and he didn't know that I was going to be in, in John's gospel. That's pretty amazing. And, and, and Jesus, he's, he's uh, saying, boys, I'm going to the Father. And they say, show us the way to the Father. He says, dude, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's he saying? He's saying what Hebrews was saying, and Daryl referred to it, that Jesus was the exact image, demonstration, the imprint of the Father. So the, the radiance, the, God, the glory of God that was radiating through him, and he was showing us the Father. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is chapter 14. And then it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes? Okay. So these are big things in John chapter 14. Yay. All right. Now you know where we are. Okay. He's speaking to the 11. Judas is still alive, but he's out doing nonsense. He's about to go and get 30 pieces of silver. That's what he's doing. But the 11 are there listening to Jesus' words. He's, he's teaching and he's instructing them. Okay. So, verse 15. John chapter 14 
and verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Like, boom. For some of us, that like those kinds of words hit us hard. You know, because we're in a society where, you know, we're, we should be free to find our own expression. We should be free to, to be fulfilled, you know, and, 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 and nobody must tell me what to do. Otherwise, I'm just going to cancel you. Jesus goes and cuts right against the spirit of the age, then and now. And what he's saying is, if you are in my love, if you love me, even as I love you, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Now, my suggestions, commands. Wow. Yeah? I mean, that should hit us really hard. Because Jesus is speaking things that are really straight and and require a response from us. In other words, we're not just to carry on doing whatever we want to do. He says, if you love me, obey there's an obedience, there's a submission, there's an obedience to his commands. Wow. Yeah? There's a lot in that tiny little verse there, yes? Okay, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Wow. Okay. So, Jesus is saying, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another parakletos. Okay, parakletos is two words. Para meaning to be alongside, to come alongside and to be close beside. And kaleo means to make a call. And so these two words joined together, parakletos, means a a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because they're close enough to the situation. Sometimes this is translated as advocate. Sometimes it's translated as advisor. Sometimes it's translated as helper. Sometimes it's translated as intercessor. That's why some of the translations are picking up on the different nuances of this Greek word. And it's not like, well, this Bible's right and that one's wrong. No, they're just emphasizing one of the, the, the nuances that are actually in the meaning of the name Parakletos. Okay? So he is our advocate. He's the one who comes alongside to plead our case. Okay? And he says... And it will be another. See that word in uh, verse 16? I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Or another counselor. Or another helper, depending on your translation. Another. That word another there means another one the same as. There's a different Greek word for, you know what, another one but of a different type. But this Greek word says another exactly the same. So Jesus is saying, boys, I'm preparing you because I'm going to the Father. That's at the beginning of chapter 14. Philip says, show us the way. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. Okay, the guys are beginning to freak and panic, all the rest of it. He's trying to calm them down and he's saying, And I will ask the Father, because I'm going to the Father, I'll ask the Father, He will send you another one just the same as me. In every way, it's just the same as me. But He will come alongside you and He'll be so close to you 
that he's going to be your advocate. He's going to be an intercessor. He's going to make legal submission for you that would stand up, if you like, in a court. Hmm. Why is this important? Well, because there's going to be a day, a judgment day, where you have to stand before the judge and you want an advocate. You know what's amazing? Absolutely phenomenal. Is that the advocate is going to make a plea on your behalf. And the advocate is God. Yeah? And the advocate is going to make a plea based on the blood of Jesus. Jesus is God. So the advocate, God, is making a plea on your behalf based on Jesus and what he did, his righteousness, and his sacrifice, his blood that was shed. That our blood, the judgment wouldn't come on us. The judgment would be on Jesus. So the advocate, God, is making a plea on our behalf before the judge using God, Jesus, as our defense. And he's going to make the plea before our Father, who is God, who is judge. The Spirit, God... Jesus, God, the Father, God. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, but I'm the way to the Father. I think we're being set up for deliverance. We've been set up for redemption. We've been set up for salvation. We've been set up for eternal connection with God. What was lost in the garden, even more. Restoration, scripturally, restoration is always at a higher level. Adam and Eve, tootling around in the garden, God would come down in the cool of the day in the evening and walk beside them. Now, we get, how cool is this? We get Holy Spirit 24-7. Not just alongside, but actually be in you. Mm-hmm. Verse 17, he's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That's upgrade. Wow. What was lost in the garden has been restored. He would come in the cool of the evening now 24-7, not just alongside, but also in you. This is amazing. Yeah? All right. So, verse 17 says he's the spirit of truth. In that same chapter, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the same as Alos Parakletos, the same as Jesus is the truth, the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So the Spirit, when He speaks, He speaks truth. All Scripture is God breathed. Mm hmm. Meaning, it is inspired, the breath of God, the ruach, the breath of God. Ruach is the same word for spirit and wind. Yeah. 
and breath. Adam fashioned from the clay and God ruached into him. And he became alive. God breathed. God breathed into the scriptures. It's the spirit of God breathing into the word that brings life. Jesus is the living word. Truth. The spirit breathes into the written word because it's the eternal word. He's the living word. The word made flesh. Tabernacle dwelt among us. So the word and the spirit truth and when the spirit speaks we're going to get to it maybe we'll see if we can get there today but Jesus said the spirit won't take of his own he'll take from what is mine and he will give to you because what I've got I didn't get it I got it from the father So the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to the Spirit, the Spirit and the Father and the Son, they're all together. They're not giving a different message. So when the Spirit speaks prophetically, he's speaking truth. And it aligns with the Word. Remember, we saw that in Corinthians, then we want to weigh, judge, and test that it must align with the Word of God. So if somebody comes with a revelation that's, you know, out there that you can't actually see in the scriptures, it's like, mm, Colossians told us this. Don't make me tell you about Colossians all over again. Okay, some of you are kind of like, what's the big deal here? Okay. I only took one year to go through the book of Colossians. I was trying to go real fast there. (laughs) Colossians speaks about these people who go into these big puffed up notions of their revelations. Because they have angelic visitations and all this kind of stuff. And Paul was writing to the people in Colossae and he's saying, guys, like, whoa. Come back to the fundamentals of the revealed, the revelation of the gospel. And if somebody's coming with all these prideful, puffed up things, it's like, whoa, it's, it's going to lead to destruction. It was true then, it's true now. Keys for this and levels of this and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, yeah, okay, let's move on, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, what's this about, okay, John chapter 14, he's after John chapter 13, and he's before John chapter 15, 16, 17, which is going to lead to 18 and 19, which is the crucifixion, where Jesus is going to leave them because he's going to die. And he's saying to them, boys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. It's going to look this way, but I'm telling you something right now because of what's coming just around the corner. Give it a couple more days and you are going to be panicking. Because you're going to think, I have left you, that's it, I'm done. He says, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Okay, he's given this promise a number of times, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm -hmm. Okay? So he's speaking to them there and then, but he's speaking to us in the here and the now. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You have a father. Hello? You have a father. Show us the way to the Father. I am the way to the Father. Okay, you have a Father. You're not going to be orphans. 
and I'm not going to leave you. Okay? I will come to you. Verse 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Hang on, but you're going to die. No, but I'm going to live. I'm not actually going to die. My body will die on the cross. But Jesus himself is not going to die. Because he's the eternal one. And because he lives, you also will live. Okay? He's helping them to begin to get some handles on this thing about eternal life, resurrection life, the life of a believer. Because he lives, we too are alive. This is fundamental components to our belief, our following Jesus, eternal life. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, on which day? On the day of his resurrection. You will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The full realization that Jesus is the Messiah that he is the son of God, that he is one with the father, that was demonstrated through the resurrection. Even more so the resurrection than the crucifixion. It was because he rose again. Oh my goodness, you're God. You've proved it beyond shadow of doubt because you were dead in the tomb. We had Roman soldiers guarding the tomb it was sealed yeah had to concoct a story i mean this is so crazy right what was the, hmm. remember the philippian jailer earthquake the prison doors are swinging free chains are falling off the prisoners and the jailer wanted to kill himself why because his life was required if a prisoner escaped. Okay, Roman law. These guards are tasked with making sure no one steals the body. Three days later, there's no body. Stone's been rolled away. So what do they do with the guards? Do they kill them? As per custom and law? No, they concoct a story that somebody came and stole the body. Well, if somebody came and stole the body, why are you guys still alive? Can you see how completely messed up the whole thing is? All right. Anyway, the resurrection. All right. You'll realize I'm in my father, you are in me, and I'm in you. On that day of the resurrection, okay, the boys from Emmaus, they have this most incredible experience and Jesus, the living word, walks alongside them and explains to them from the written word. Oh, did our hearts not burn within us? Okay, I mean, they could feel something because of the word. And um, Jesus is going to have a meal with them. And he assumes the role of the host. Although he's the guest, he switches and he blesses the meal. And as he does it, their eyes are opened. And they can see, oh, this is Jesus. Now these were disciples. These are guys not of the twelve. They were probably over the 70 or 72 or 120 or the 500. We don't know exactly how close they were. But they'd been following Jesus. Jesus had many disciples. There were the 12. But there were also, remember, he sent out the 70. Okay? There were 120 in the upper room. 
There were 500, Corinthians tells us, who saw Jesus go up into heaven at the ascension. Okay? There were thousands of people who would follow Jesus. All right. These guys from Emmaus were somewhere in that category. So they knew who Jesus was. They had access to the 12. Because after their eyes are opened, they rush back to Jerusalem. Yeah? Which is like a Sabbath day's walk. And they're violating because now they're backtracking. But they don't worry about that law anymore because that law is done and dusted. Anyway, because they're... When they're walking to Emmaus, Jesus appeared to them in another form. Okay, this messes with your brain, right? Jesus was there, but they didn't recognize it was Jesus. But they'd been followers of Jesus for how long? We don't know exactly. But long enough to be close to the twelve, to know who Jesus was. They downcast, like we had thought he was going to be the Messiah. And they so downcast. And Jesus said, listen, man. Why are you so dull? And he explains from the scriptures. And as he's blessing the meal, all of a sudden, boom, their eyes are open and they recognize, oh, it's Jesus. As that happens, Jesus disappears. Now they freaked out. Now they freaked out. Now they rush back to Jerusalem. And the the 11, because it's no longer 12, because we lost one. Judas, he's out the picture. So the 11, they locked the doors, they barred the windows, they're, they're panicking because they are afraid that the Romans are going to come for them. And the guys from Emmaus somehow persuade them to let them in and they're talking about Jesus and they're saying, we've seen him, he's alive. And as, actually it wasn't 11, it was 10. It was 10 because Thomas, oh Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. So Jesus suddenly appears, completely freaks them out. He says, peace. Like he had to say, like, don't be afraid, peace. Because Why? Nearly used a bad Afrikaans word there. They were. They were afraid. Listen, if you've got the doors and the windows locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus is there. It's like it's going to freak you out. And you hadn't seen the series on Netflix or anything like that, didn't know anything that this was. Like. Whoa! Okay? And what does he do? He breathes on them. He said, receive the Spirit. What's going on here? This is the equivalent of their born-again experience. They believed in Jesus, but you can only be born again as a result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is not the same as on the day of Pentecost. Come on, you with me now? This is John chapter 20. We'll get there one day. John chapter 20, he says, receive the Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. All right? And he breathed on them and they received the Spirit. He then gave them a further instruction Stick around in Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise, the gift of the Father, which is the outpouring of the Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. So we know that what happened in the upper room there on the, on the day of re- the resurrection were the guys from Emmaus and the ten are there and he breathed on them. So they're receiving something of the spirit that being born again made alive that they can have spirit to spirit relationship connection with God based on belief 
we believe you're alive. We believe you're the Son of God. On that day, verse 20, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Wow. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. He's saying it again. Command, obedience, love. Yeah? The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Well, we'll just backtrack again slowly now. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. The Spirit will be with you and in you. And the Spirit, who comes from the Father, and the Spirit and the Father and the Son, now we're seeing the oneness of God. Amen. Amen. Hmm? And if you love me, the Father's going to love you. And I'm going to love you. And because of the love of God, the Spirit is going to be in you as well. And what's going to happen is because that the Spirit is with you and in you. In verse 21. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Hang on. I'm going to show myself to them. These are the 12 minus 1. Okay, this is still the upper room. This is pre the betrayal. Okay? This is, remember, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is in the upper room. Passover meal. Jesus teaching and instructing his disciples. Judas has gone off to go and get 30 pieces of silver and to betray Jesus. Jesus is teaching the 11. Okay, so the 11 at this point. And he's giving them instructions to encourage them so that when they face the trauma of the crucifixion and the death and the burial of Jesus, that they should not be completely devastated. They were devastated because... Listen, don't judge them. We're slow. Come on, we are slow. You know, the Lord shows us things and we kind of like, oh my goodness, I, I, I never saw that before. That was there all the time, but it just like it just didn't sink in. Yeah? And and so there's these 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 sort of revelation that comes. Jesus is saying, I will show myself to to them. He's saying this to his disciples who've been walking with him for three and a half years, and he's saying, I'm actually going to show who I really am. It's like, but haven't we seen it all, Rabbi? We've been with you for three and a half years. He says, listen, I'm going to be with you, and I'm actually going to show you who I really am. This is amazing. You know what? This points to the fact that we are going to be in this relationship with God where he's going to continuously be revealing more and more of who he is. This is amazing. Because here we are as finite people with a finite brain trying to grasp an infinite being, God. That's why we need all of eternity for him to reveal to us who he is. That we would, would know him fully. And, and he's going to give us the kind of body that doesn't blow up. Because of the magnificence of the revelation of who he is. So he's going to give us a resurrection body. 
that's not tainted by corruption, sinful nature, sinful desires. We'll have the kind of resurrection body that has the ability to be in his presence and not be burnt up by the glory of God and have the ability to receive more, have the capacity to search out the deep truths of who he is. And he'll reveal that to us. It's just like, oh my goodness, he is just so much bigger than the little bit that we understand. And we're slow at even this bit. Yeah, we need upgrades. Yeah, we need that resurrection body. We need that, that ability to grasp who he is. Okay. See, this is why we need eternity. <laughs> Time has gone again. It's like, would you like one or two more things? Is that okay? It's cold outside. It's warm in here. You might as well just stay here. Okay. So verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, because there were two in the pack. He said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? What's going on here? Okay. The boys were slow of mind and understanding. They were expecting Jesus the Messiah to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. All right. They just had you know, what we call Palm Sunday. Yeah. They hadn't named it yet because it only just occurred. Right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Putting their cloaks, Jesus is riding on a colt, yeah, a donkey, right? And, um, and they're putting down palm branches and Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees are upset. Who do you think you are? Whatever. Jesus said, listen, don't stop them. Even the rocks would cry out. Okay? So... In, in all of this, I'm nearly done, don't worry. Um, so, the boys are thinking Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom. And they're kind of like, man, he should be a white horse, why is it on a donkey? But nevertheless, this is, Jesus has always been unusual. I mean, he's walked on water, he's done all sorts of crazy things, he's had big encounters with pigs and stuff. You know, he does things differently. Okay, so... But they're thinking Jesus is coming to establish an earthly kingdom. Remember, even after the resurrection, and they're asking Jesus, this is Acts chapter 1, are you now at this time going to take your seat here in Jerusalem? And he says, whoa, boys, about the times and the seasons. The Father's got that. They were still thinking earthly kingdom. All right? And so Judas is here, it's like, so are you intending to show yourself to us? And, but if you're going to be this Messiah, you've got to show yourself to the whole world because you've got to kick out the Romans. You've got to tell everybody that you're the Messiah. That's the basis for this question. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I mean, Jesus appears to be pretty serious about obeying his teaching and his commands. I mean, it's three times just in a few verses. Yeah? The, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Gosh, he's going at it again. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Hey, these words are not my own. They belong to the Father. I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send another just like me. And when he comes, we're going to get to this in, verse, in chapter 16, maybe in a couple of weeks' time. He will not take of his own, but he will take from what I'm going to give him. But here he's saying, now listen, what I've got, these are not my words. I'm only giving to you what I got from the Father. 
So the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. They're not doing their own thing. It's doing one. Okay? So these words, they belong to the Father. He sent me. My Father will love them. We will come to them in verse 23 and make our home with them. <clears throat> it just shows it's time to end now, hey? What, can I just share one thing quickly? I'm also slow learning. Because this thing I hadn't seen before. This thing of my father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Like I stayed in the superficial kind of thing of like, oh, he will come and live inside of us by the spirit, as we've just seen. Jesus breathed on them. Make, and it's like, this is like born again. He will live in my heart. He's make his home, dwell. Well, there's that. But more than that, Jesus is already pointing to the ultimate end. The ultimate end. When we will be at home. It's always been about dwell. Slash tabernacle. Make home. It's like he's coming on the clouds. He's coming in judgment. Sort out all the enemy stuff. Completely defeat in an instant the enemy. Enemy is no match for God. And what's going to happen is that the new heaven and the new earth come one. And the new Jerusalem is on earth and his throne and his presence the city 2200 kilometers wide 2200 kilometers deep 2200 kilometers high but not be scared of heights if you get one of those rooms up there i will make room for you i'll make my home there's no need for the sun, the moon, whatever, because he will be our light. It becomes eternity. See, right now, you're worried about the time. Because we watch the sun. It's day and night. And so we, we watch time. But in the new heaven and the new earth, there is no sun. There's just day and day. And day and day. There is no night. So you can't tell the time by the sun. It just carries on. Come on. When you go to sleep, don't you sometimes feel like you're missing out? FOMO? Yeah? Well, you'll never have to miss out again because you never have to go to sleep again. Because you won't, with the new resurrection body, you never get tired. You live in perpetual rest without sleeping. All right. I'll come and make my home. And his home is our home. And we dwell with him forever in his home. His home is our home. Our home is his home. This is, yeah, okay. All right. Flat, flat, my story is eight. He's got so much more for us. I know that, you know, we get so focused on, like, what's happening with the potholes? What's happening with load shedding? What's happening with the water outage this week? You know, and, and we get so worried because you know, of the things that we face. And if we put the major emphasis on these temporary things, we can miss out on, on the vision that he's calling us to 
the reality of our future in Him and with Him. And the life that we have through Jesus and through the Spirit to be connected to our Father. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'm going to be with you. The Parakletos, the Spirit of truth, will lead you into truth, will guide you, will take from the Father and give to you. And such comfort, because that's the eternal state. The temporary things we go through now, don't get too fussed. Keep your eyes on the prize. And that gives us the strength to navigate through the obstacles that we face. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're here right now. You come to shift our focus off of ourselves and onto the Father. And the Father's ultimate plans and purpose for our lives. We thank you that you're working right here, right now, to cause a shift and a change in our understanding that we might know you more. Strengthen our hearts to be able to receive revelation according to your word that we might live in the fullness of what you have for us here. That we do not postpone everything to one day, but that which you have for us now, that we might walk in the light of the revelation that you have for us now. So let confidence and boldness and courage and tremendous peace come to us, your people, knowing that you are God, you're over and above it all. We can trust you fully with our lives today, tomorrow, the day after, and the week after that. So we give you thanks. We give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.